What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Comic Book Layer Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Ray. And we've got another good one for you guys today. The book of the week is going to be Noctera. But before we jump into that, how you doing, Ray? Dude, I am doing great, man. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing good, man. Good week. Uh, got a lot of reading in. What about you? Do you have time to jump into anything? Dude, actually, I did. Um, I had a great week as well. It was crazy, like always, with the kids running around nonstop. But um, yeah. I did have... Um, hey, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, let me hear it. How many times have you watched Encanto? Um, I've lost count. Dude, I've watched it two times today. Like the Bruno it's song? It's too much, man. All I have stuck in my head 24-7 is we don't talk about Bruno. I know. 24-7, I got, dude. <laughs> I got him this little, uh, you know, those little golden books are like kind of like a distillation of the story yeah. in like kind of 10 pages. And every time Bruno's name is just mentioned, my little one just starts singing the song. Dude, th- and so now... <laughs> So now every time we read it, I just say, and he who shall not be named. (laughs) Yeah, dude. My three-year-old is running around and I hear him just start singing, we don't talk about Bruno. And I'm like, seriously, man, you too? Like, (laughs) It's like a a virus that just spreads, man. So yeah, so that's playing in the background pretty much 24-7 at my house. That's nuts. So what kind of books did did you get into this week? Um, So reading-wise, I was able to um, read... um, from Image, uh, New Masters. New Masters. Yes. I got into that today, man. Did you? What did you think yeah. of it? Dude, I loved it, dude. I liked it, World too. building was super cool. The character work was super cool. I'm going to have to reread it. I won't lie to you. There was some, some, so, I think, some sort of cultural barrier at first for me that I might have to learn a little. Yeah, bit. no, for sure. It was the same for me. It was something that... Um, you know, made it a little challenging to read, but it was super cool to see like this style, these two dudes. um, I'm not even going to pronounce their names because I'll mess them up, but they're brothers from, from Africa and um, their story that they've created so far. And like you said, the world building is so cool. And uh, her little robot. robot Oh, we're on the same page, man. That thing's so cool. Yeah, dude. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Ron's gone wrong. Have you seen that movie? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and like everybody has this little robot that falls around, but hers is way cool, dude. So um super cool that. read. And um yeah, um there's a ton of character building. Like you see all these different characters, so I can't wait to see where that one goes. And it's a big world too. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of characters going on, so I'm really excited to see what they do. I guess it's only gonna be like nine issues or something. Huh. And and for how many characters like you meet in here, like it was actually really good. Like it didn't seem like too rushed to me. It just seemed Mm-mm. pretty good. So yeah, I liked it. Me too, man. And then um, one other thing I got in, got to get some more issues in was this, uh, this bad boy right here, the Invincible uh, Ultimate Collection. Uh, volume my one. boy Mark. And it's so cool because this is one you can do. It's so easy to read. You know, I can wind Cantos on. I can just grab this bad boy and <laughs> put it, you know. That's right, man. Yeah. We all need a book like that when you're a dad. Just something you can kind of like read a page or two, put it down, read a page or two, put it down. Exactly. Yeah. And it's such an easy read and it's just a fun story. So it's cool to see um, what's in his Mark, right? Yeah, Mark Grayson. Yeah, it's cool man, to see him and his Kirkman. dad building like their relationship up and – yeah, I know he's mostly known for for Walking Dead. Obviously, I mean it's a worldwide phenomenon, but Invincible is something, man. I mean, he just nailed it on that. Yeah, it's it's fun. So I got to read a couple more issues in there, 
And then um, I definitely had time to stop by the old local comic book shop and um, picked up some school, cool stuff. Had to get this, man. I mean, we're, we're reading oh, uh, yeah. Book of the Week this week is Noctera, so I had to pick up Noctera issue number seven. Is that a variant or is that A? This is not A, I don't think. I think this is a variant. I love that cover, man. Yeah, such a cool cover. Just some some shades, um, head on a spike. Yeah. Super cool. So, so gnarly. I'm pumped to read this just because I love this story so far. Um, also picked up uh, King of Spies issue number three. Um, left off on a cool little cliffhanger and from two. So can't wait to see see where this story goes. It's like just nonstop fun action. So it should be pretty cool. I think four comes out next week too. So you'll have a couple to read. Already? Yeah, that's what I that's what I saw on League of Comic Geeks. Oh, well, very cool. And I then, believe. I mean, you know me. It's okay. <laughs> and then I picked up this cool um, uh, from a Blaze comics called Life Zero. It's like a new so cool. new zombie story, but yeah. it, it look the art is awesome. And then um, I think you sent me this earlier. Just these cool variant covers, like be a, from an old like Wolverine or X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks it's just so cool. Riffs on those old Uncanny X-Men covers. So cool. I would not have known that, but once I saw the post, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, and I wouldn't have known it either. I just liked it that it did look like, uh, you know, an older, old school comic. Yeah. Like, but, um, yeah. So yeah, I read I read that today, too. I thought it was a really cool setup. Art was really great. Really excited to see see where it goes. They're, they're kind of in a pickle at the end of issue one. Yeah. So Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. Don't spoil it. Um, yeah, the art already looks awesome, so it should be... Should be fun to read. What about you? Yeah, man. I got in a lot of reading too. I think the two that that I would, you know, deserve a spotlight on today's show would be I got into this really cool uh finish, a retelling of like a Finnish folklore called Oxy or Oxy, but it's OKSI, uh, by Mary Ahoykoivu. Mm, you always pick the books with the hardest names to pronounce. I know, but this is just really cool. It's a story about a mom and and her daughter and just kind of fitting in when you don't fit in and uh, kind of the effects of of a love that that may have gone a little astray, like the damages that not only like, um, you know, mistreating someone can cause generationally, uh, but also sometimes that love that's like unbearing, that doesn't allow movement, um, that kind of effects that that could have. Uh, on a family and stuff like that and just super cool story uh the art is literally worth the price of the book alone i mean super fantastic i wouldn't have even known about this but i'm in this uh this graphic novel book club with comics experience it's up here in california in the bay area and uh, that was the book of the month and so that was really cool uh, super fun read. Yeah, sometimes glad to have it on my shelf. Sometimes those books that you would least expect, and like those books that you would never think about buying, end up being like the coolest stuff you can read. Yeah, man, I love it when and, that happens. Um, yeah, just a totally different experience for me, and so I think you know I landed pretty good, and it's one that you know I keep thinking about. Super fun. Yeah, and then the other one that really deserves kind of you know the biggest spotlight is I got to finish May's book. So May's book five finally got to me, and I finished it. And you know Jeff Lemire knows how to hit me right in the gut, man. I mean, this is the story of a you know father is searching for his daughter who passed away, and he believes is sending her messages, and you know he's doing everything he can to to reconnect with her, to find her, to figure out what's going on. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but you know, 
definitely ends with uh, a, a one-two to the gut. And, mm. you know, yeah, but, you know, it ends on a little hopeful note for, for the main guy, Will, here. And I think it's some of Jeff Lemire's strongest work. I mean, that's such a weird thing to say. Everything Jeff Lemire does is so great. This story just stuck with me really hard as a dad to girls. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, really resonated with me, man. I I really liked it a lot. Very cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out. The art looks pretty cool, too. Yeah, super cool, man. Um, definitely the Jeff Lemire style. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I got the hardcover coming to me. You know how I do. Yeah. Go big or go home. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, man, that was my week. I mean, I got in some other stuff too, but kind of mid runs that, you know, wait to talk about them. What do you think we hop into some uh, book of the week, B-O-Dub? Dude, let's do it, man. Knox Terror, it's one of my favorite current reads, man. I can't wait to dig into this with you. Yeah, so this is Noctera Volume 1, published by Image Comics. Um, Story by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel, colors by Tomu Mori, and letters by And World Design. And, um, you know, before we get into it, like, have you read Scott Snyder? Are you aware of him? Is this your... Your first kind of jump into Scott Snyder book or no? Um, yeah, so Scott Snyder, he's done a ton of stuff, man. He's also doing um, right now same um, same type of story, like I guess you can say, like an apocalyptic style story with an undiscovered country. It's got a yeah. definitely a different vibe, different feel than um, Noctera, but um, he's doing that one right now. So it's funny he's got both of these apocalyptic stories like going at the same time. Yeah. Um, he's done uh, Witches, which I've never read before. I don't know if you've ever dabbled in that at all. I haven't read Witches. Um, but he's done a bunch of Batman stuff. But right now, this is like, I think his best stuff he's got going on right now. It's the Noctera or Noctera is super, super yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Undiscovered Country too. Uh, oh, I do too. This yeah. one definitely. But this one definitely uh, hits a little harder for me. I yeah. like it a little better, a little bit better. Yeah, so do um, I. And this is kind of, you know, 101 proof Scott. You know, he's doing Undiscovered Country with Charles Soule, which Charles Soule's an amazing writer too, but it's just kind of fun to get, you know, Scott, you know, leaving it all on the table. Yeah. And then um, Tony as Daniel, his art's just incredible in this. He's he's done all kinds of stuff um, over at DC. He's done Batman. He's done all kinds of stuff as well, so... Yeah, the art, we'll get into it, but man, he does do a fantastic job in this. Yeah. So this is the story of uh, Val Riggs uh, and her kind of life living through what they call the Big PM, and that's when the sun was swallowed up by a darkness, and our story kind of picks up 10 years after the main event when the sun finally went away, and everyone she knew, uh, you know, gets infected in the dark and turns into what they call shades. And now, uh, you know, 10 years later, she is a ferryman. And so she drives a big truck, uh, to port to port, you know, transporting people and goods from safety to safety, hopefully, you know, through the darkness and, um, you know, just trying to protect everything from, from all the evils of the night. Uh, and when, you know, the promise of a sanctuary is brought to her attention. She's going to have to think about it and she's going to have to make a decision. And, you know, time's ticking because she's got a loved one in the throes of infection and not a lot of time, as you'll find out, you know, anything else to kind of add up front about the story and 
set the stage for everybody? No, I think you said it pretty well, man. Um, yeah, I, let's do it. Let's dive into issue one. So issue one kind of opens up and you see Val here. She's, you know, it's in the past. It says Denver, Colorado then. And she's in, in school and she's drawing a picture of, of what you assume is her family. And this is when the big PM goes down right here at this day while she's in class. She's sitting there and all of a sudden the teacher's looking outside and the teacher's just, oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, you see right then that something, something big is going down and she's telling you this is the moment of the big PM. And you turn the page and you see the uh, kind of a close up on the picture she was drawn of her family. And, you know, narration style here, Scott really, you know, fills this, you know, this series with a lot of narration to build up the, the story and the characters. Yeah. But here you get a little bit of Val telling you, you know, a little bit about herself. You know, right when this big PM's coming, when the sun's going to be swallowed up, she lets you know she had a little bit of her own big PM when she was littler. She was born with a severe case of cataracts. She said she was legally blind. When she was five, her parents took her to get surgery done. And when, you know, and it went successfully. And, you know, the first time she opens her eyes, she just remembers seeing her parents sitting there saying, Welcome to the world. The nightmare's over. Poof. She and says, this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is juxtaposed to the next page, which all of a sudden, you know, the school has let them out because they got to go home. Something crazy is happening. And there's, you know, Val and Emery, her brother, waiting for her parents to come pick them up from school. And when they finally get there, they get in the car. You see the parents are sitting there listening to the radio. Uh, you know, what else are you going to do when, you know, the sun seems to be disappearing? You got to figure something out, right? Yeah, dude. I love this part right here. Like as, as a parent, when, um, you know, you, you get in a situation that could be, you know, scary or, or whatever it may be, you, you try to be, you know, stay calm. So your, your kids know they're safe and all that. And the parents here are doing their best job ever. To be like, oh, uh-huh. no, we're going to be just fine, you know, just the sun disappeared. It's no big deal, guys. You know, it's going to be OK. And um, Emery, he, he's younger than Val. So he's at he's just kind of like oblivious to it. He's like, oh, my parents say it's going to be fine. We're gonna, it's no big deal. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, take a selfie here in the backseat of the car. <laughs> but Val, <laughs> yeah, right. she's a little older. I, I'm assuming she's around like, I don't know. 12 or something right here yeah and, that'd be my guess and she knows something is going up and kind of can sense the fear you know mm-hmm. with her parents right here as they're trying to figure out and navigate what yeah. what just happened yeah even early on val seems pretty grounded a, a pretty realistic and emory already early on seeming a little head in the clouds and, yeah yeah you know no, what i mean you hit it perfect for sure but I love that the mom's sitting here and she's just telling the dad, like, this seems so real. She's like, you know, he's flipping through the channels, freaking out. She's like, just don't scare the kids. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Val and Emery are sitting in the back seat, and Emery's going to do what every younger sibling is going to do to their older siblings. Oh, yeah, siblings, he's just going to be a know, pest, stuff. dude. And he he takes a crayon and, and draws over the sun. And why is he doing that? Dude, the sun disappears. So he's got to make it realistic. <laughs> That's right. And so then you turn the page and, you know, it turns, you know, now we're present time and you get to see Val and in her big rig and in her, you know, ferryman suit. You see, it's all lit up. She's got to stay lit at all times, protect herself. And her big rig's always lit up, too. 
because that's how they protect themselves from the shades. And she's on the radio talking to Emery and, you know, there's some stuff swarming around her and, you know, they want to know what it is. She thinks she sees something big. Emery's like, nah, these are just bug birds or some smaller shades that are flying around. But she's like, no, 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 something bigger. But at that time, you know, you get a cut scene to the trailer and you get to see her whole tons of people back there that she's taken somewhere, right? Yeah, you get to see basically, um, I guess you would call them the, uh, her fares, who she's being um, paid to, to transport to and um, from whatever port or city. And um, I love the lore he puts in, you know, in into the all the characters, man. Like, it's so cool looking at all the individual characters in their suits and, like, all the little lights they have on. Like, one dude has a lantern hanging off of him. Like, that's, like, <laughs> yeah. all he could find. But then you see these other dudes and they have, like, these cool, like, neon glowing lights, you know? So, it's pretty neat. Um, each character is so unique. That dude and- that's, like, wearing a bed sheet with a bunch of little red lights all over it. Dude, one dude's like wearing a... <laughs> That's my favorite one. Like, one dude's wearing like a NASA-looking helmet. Like, you know, where did he find that, you know? Yeah, I know. And so, while they're showing you all the, you know, the passengers back there, it kind of zooms in on Augustus and Bailey. You'll find out are their names. And, you know, Bailey's just asking Grandpa, you know, are we going to be okay? Because right, right then, you know, those bug birds start attacking the trailer. Yeah, just flying and slamming into it, and you know they're freaking everybody out. Emery's telling uh, Val, "Yeah, you got to turn on the hits, turn on those high light, those high beams right now." Yeah, because that's how you know they're going to scare off these bug birds. But she waited a little long, it seems like, because these things are just coming fast, and some of the passengers are freaking out, especially one of them. And she's just like, "All right, this is it. I'm not dying like this. I have to get the heck off of this truck." And she makes a pretty rash decision. Terrible you, decision. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, terrible decision. And I don't know what makes her think it's going to be better in the outside world where there's no light. Oh, but, my gosh, um, I know. Obviously not thinking I, and just I just want to, like, tap her on the shoulder and be like, you know, the sound's coming from outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> That's where the bug birds yeah, are. We, we have light and we're in a truck going to a safe location. Like, you might want to stay in. Yeah, that's right. And so right then she's she's just I'm not dying like this. So she goes over to the keypad, opens the back of the trailer, and boom, a shade grabs her by the helmet and you know she gone. I think she regrets her decision. Yeah, she she gone. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, right then when when that happens, Val's realizing things are hitting the fan quick. This isn't working. I'm gonna put the truck on autopilot and she crawls out on top and uh starts shooting them down. She's going to take matters into her own hand. And as she's fighting up there, we get a little bit more of the narration that's going to build build some of the story for us. And you find out she tells you, in the big PM, any living thing that is stuck in the dark for more than 10 hours undergoes a biological transformation, which she tells you starts in the gums and can then spread. Yeah. You know, right? Yep, yep. And then um, and one other thing to mention, she does say, you know, if you catch it early enough, if you if you happen to get this disease or whatever they, you know, call it, if you catch it early enough, you can you can beat it and get rid of it. That's right. And so she's just continues to throw everything at these shades. She's got her flash pops. Um, she's got her sizzlers. Sizzlers, yeah. And then she does this really cool flip into the trailer where there is already 
a gnarly shade waiting in there that looks like it's about ready to attack or already has. And she's just like, all right, come get me, come get me. And then this thing just tackles her right out of the trailer. She's sitting there on the ground face to face with this thing. And that thing is gnarly, isn't it? Dude, it's such a cool creature. Like the way they design these creatures are, it's like, I don't know. It looks like a half bat, half, I don't even know what it is, but it's, it's super cool looking, man. Yeah, and so Amory's just telling her, you gotta you gotta use your flares now. You gotta scare these things away. There's bigger ones behind this one. And she's just calm, cool, collected. She knows what she's doing. She's done this a bunch of times, it seems like. Oh, yeah, for and so, sure. you know, right at this, and I love this panel, man. She lights her two flares. And, you know, Emery's telling her, you gotta light these flares so that we know where you're at. And so right when she lights the flares, they they can pinpoint her. And so her outpost shines all these lights right on her. And these little shades just go flying away. Yeah, they, they scramble. They they dip as soon as all these lights hit them. They don't want any part of that. Yeah. And so they seem safe right now. They kind of end up um, at their outpost. And she kind of tells us a little bit about, you know, these outposts are where you know, the hubs for the ferrymen's. It kind of seems like this is where civil civilization has settled yeah. into these outposts. And this is where life happens. Cause these are kind of where they're able to consolidate electricity or energy and where they're able to have lights that can protect them from these shades. Yep. And she, and she mentions like, Oh, you know, there's rumors too of like sanctuaries and stuff for rich people that have all these cool things. But at this point right here, she's not really a believer in those. No things, way. Right? Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, it's been, it's been what, like, I don't know, 13 years now, I think since, since the initial big PM. And so she's like, those, those places, even if they maybe did exist, they don't, they're not around. That's a, you know, no one buys that. So anyway, they get to the outpost and immediately upon entry, you know, they're security guards and they're checking gums. Like that's the first thing they got to check, right? Oh yeah. And you know, so her gums are clear. They let her in and the first person she runs into is this guy named Spades and he lets her know that. Uh, this town tipped in, uh, went dark and that bums her out because she had, you know, she, she had something she needed from this guy named Hildil, which we're not entirely sure yet, but she's bummed about this. Yeah. Some kind of job lined up or something with this guy that, um, yeah, she needed. Big. Yeah. Something big, obviously to make her this, you know, upset. And so then you turn the page and she's in this kind of like, I don't know what you would call this, like a command center or. Yeah, I mean... Control center. There's, I, I don't know. It's like just an office. Yeah, it's like we're... It's a dispatch center. Oh, yeah. Let's there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And so you see there's just a bunch of ferrymen in here, and she's going in there to get paid. That's what she told Spades. Like, leave me alone. I'm going to go get paid. And so this is when you meet uh, Bellwether. And Bellwether kind of runs the show here. She seems like she's in charge of giving the ferrymen their jobs, paying them out, uh, letting them know when jobs come in. And, you know, Val goes up to her and just says, you know, she would like to be paid not in cash or credit, but in charge. Uh, and you're just like, you don't really know what that means. Yeah. But that's when uh, Bellwether hands her this black box and sends her on her way, right? Yeah, it looks like some type of battery box or something. And so she takes that, heads out. She's going to go home. And on her way home, she runs into uh, Augustus and Bailey on her way home. And they they want something from her. They want to they wanna lift. They want to ride to get somewhere special. To convince her to take her somewhere, what does he do? Yeah, he was he, he pulls up his sleeve and he's trying to, to show her this um, 
sunburn that he has on his arm. And he's like, look, Mm -hmm. I I know of a sanctuary. This is a real sunburn. You know, I'm not lying to you. We just need, we just need you to transport us there. And because the idea is that these sanctuaries are a place that's supposed to have like natural light or something. And so that's his proof is like, look, I got a sunburn. Uh, And she's just not, she's not having it. She's not buying it. Uh, She kind of feels like she's calling his bluff or something here and just walks away. She says, hard pass. Like, nah, uh, I'm not your lady. Yeah, she's not buying into his baloney that he's trying to sell. And so she continues going home. And this is where we get to meet Emery. And uh, he seems like a tinkerer. He's in there making flash pop sizzlers. He's doing all sorts of stuff, huh? Oh, yeah. He's like, um, I don't know how you would say it. Like the, the little sidekick that is, you know, in the office. He's on the radio. He's making all of her, you know, cool pieces of equipment that yeah. she has. Um, he's the science guy. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And, you know, earlier on when she was with Bellwether, Bellwether was telling her as a warning, like, hey, the guards are coming and they want to they're going to check on everything. So you got to look out for your brother. And so you were like, what's going on with her brother exactly? And here you get to find out a little bit, right? Because she's freaking out. and She's saying, let me see. Let me see. And, you know, he doesn't want to show her. But then <laughs> she takes it into her own hands, <laughs> puts her finger in his mouth, pulls it down. And, oh, if he doesn't have black gums already man yeah dude it's kind of like a almost like a gut punch already because you know you have these two characters and he you know obviously they've been together since this whole big pm and he he's infected yeah and um i didn't see that coming me neither man and she's freaking out because you know one of the ways that you can kind of stave this thing off is with dialysis if you catch it early enough or with lights and so Obviously, they don't have lights, so they've been trying dialysis, and she's just like, it's not working, it's not working. Why isn't it working? Get back on the table. Let's do it again. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when you see that that black box that she got from Bellwether was actually something that kind of makes this whole dialysis dialysis machine run. Yeah. And, you know, she's just... She's just going to make him try again. She just, you know, she does, she can't bear the idea of this infection taking over Emery, you know? Oh, yeah. She's going to do anything to to save her little brother for sure. So, you know, he's sitting there in bed. He's sleeping. She's kind of drinking some coffee. She's, she sends up a lamp. And this is kind of like a, a mourning or remembrance for Tipton and her friend Hildil. It seems like kind of what they do when this happens, right? Yeah. And then you just see her, she's sitting on the bed and, and she's, she's crying. I mean, her back's against the wall here, right? She just lost all of her ability to, to get new routes. Um, her brother is not doing good. The infection, the dialysis doesn't seem to be working. And so she's just, she's stressed, but you know, she decides she does have one thing she can do. Yeah. She's got, she's got one other option she can do because her, her job that she had lined up fell through because Tipton went dark. So, um, yep. you know, and she's the type of person, whatever she's going to do, you know, she's going to do whatever she can to, to save her brother. Yeah. And she did say early on, like she put everything into that, that Tipton job. Yeah. That was a big deal to lose it. And so she goes back to Augustus and Bailey, right? And she's going to, she's going to take them up on the job. Yep. And she lets him know she, she doesn't care about, you know, whether or not any of his fairy tales are real about a sanctuary or, you know, sunlight or blah, blah, blah. She wants the money and they better pay. Yep. That's all she cares about. And she, and so they're like, so when do we leave? And she's right now. Yep. Let's go. Get your stuff. She doesn't, she doesn't seem like someone who likes to waste too much. No, she doesn't mess around. She knows what she wants to do. She wants to get it done. 
She has her brother in mind. Um, she wants to make a ton of money and I'm sure she can turn around and, you know, try to use that money to get whatever she needs to save her brother. Yeah, that's right. And so they all hop into, into her big rig, uh, suit up, light up, and they're on their way. And as you turn the page, you get to meet one of the coolest characters in all of comic books. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Like, this is one of the, the coolest things. Uh, you get to meet Blacktop Bill. And he shows up to the uh, command. What did we call it? Not a command center. <laughs> it's like the um, a dish dispatch yeah, the dis- service. Yeah, dispatch. like the dispatch center where all the all the truckers yeah. go to get their new routes and all that. And Blacktop <clears throat> Bill is just a silhouette, always a silhouette, except for his teeth. But he shows up and he go comes straight up to Bellwether and he says, "Give me the the you know the the call sign or the tags for the driver that just left with the old man and the little girl." And that's when Bellwether's like, I don't give out my tags. And she looks up, though, and sees him. And she's like, oh, man. And he's just like, uh, let me just say, uh, I'm Blacktop Bill. So I think you're going to do whatever I ask you to do. Mm-hmm. He has a reputation for sure. And, you know, when you're Bellwether and you kind of run in these things, you're going to get some guys who you got some friends. like you. and want Yeah. And so some of these guys decide they're going to try to get her back. But what happens here? Yeah, you don't want to mess with Blacktop Bill. You find out real quick he's the type of person that um, no matter how big and bad you look, like y- you don't want to mess with Blacktop Bill. So no, um, basically Blacktop Bill, you know, starts to explain to this. This guy comes up to him. He's huge. It's like the, you know, you wouldn't want to walk into this guy in, in like a dark alley type of guy. No and um, Blacktop Bill is just like, this isn't a, a big deal. You know, like... <laughs> Are, are right, you kidding yeah. me? You know, but he, he explained, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm made out of a, a matrix of carbon nanotubes. You know, I'm not wearing it. It's bonded to me. And um, wow. he's like, if you, you know, if you're not used to it, this will burn you like hot tar. And he just grabs his face and this dude face. Just, boy, does it. It just starts to melt. And smoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Smoke just pouring from his face. And you can just imagine everybody seeing that there in the hub. They're kind of, they just kind of like stand back and they're looking at him like, oh, this is Blacktop Bill in our, in our mm-hmm. presence. We're not going to mess with this guy. Like, give him the, like, give him what he needs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And so he, uh, you know, you turn the page here and it's the end of the, the issue. And he just says, for those asking, I'm not here to hurt your friend Val. I just want the old man and the girl. Yep. And so they're, they're like, well, why? Why do you want them? And this is when you get a huge revelation. Mm-hmm. And he says he's responsible for blacking out the sun. Yep. He wants to hunt him down because he's the one who killed the sun. So that's issue one, man. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Dude, I love it. I love the world build- building. I love the characters. I love the cliffhanger at the end because now you're like, okay, who does, you know, who is she really transporting now? Like, yeah, what's going on with this old man? And um, yeah, what secrets is he hiding from her? And yeah, when is she going to find out? So super, super good. Um, what do you think about Blacktop Bill as a villain? Or I mean, are you buying it? Are you? Oh, dude, hundred percent. Blacktop Bill has to be one of the I, most I guess like, I mean, like creative, just like awesome villains. Yeah, I guess I mean here early <laughs> on because obviously he's doing some some bad things. Well, but they, I mean, if, they're, they're, if Augustus is responsible for killing the sun, 
I mean, maybe you're justified in doing some bad things to catch the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And he, there's such a like mystery around Blacktop Bill. You know, you like want to know like why is he just look like a silhouette? Like, yeah, what's this whole thing that he's trying to you know say he's you know made of some nanotubes and it's bonded to him? Yeah, so you want to? Yeah, exactly. You want to know more about him. And um, he's just mysterious and he obviously carries a reputation, you know, like is intriguing. You want to know more about him for sure. Yeah. And I'm all in on, on Emery and her relationship, his relationship with Val, you know, want to know what's going on there. Uh, her friendship with Bellwether seems cool. This whole idea is just super rad, man. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm super excited to dig into issue two yeah issue two is cool dude it starts out with um kind of another flashback here and a bunch of uh narration from val and it's um her and her brother and um this had to be probably just a few days after the big pm initially hit and they're yeah. kind of inside and th- their parents are outside um i'm sure they were t- the, you know the type of parents like hey stay in here like we, you know like we're gonna go talk to the adults but right, yeah. um they're out there like having a prayer circle pretty much and um they're trying to still keep it together and, you know, tell the kids, oh, everything's going to be fine. Val, she's, you know, over here and she's not buying it already. Even at a young age, she's, she, you see her packing a bag. She's like getting, gathering all the batteries and putting it in a bag. And Emery's like, hey, it's going to be fine. Like our parents say it's going to be cool. You know, what if this is just like the, the lobby before we go to heaven, you know? And mm-hmm. Val's like, hmm. I don't think so. I mean, anything's possible, little brother. You know, she's trying to like love on her, her brother and not like get him freaked out. But she knows deep down like something's going on. <laughs> and he even tells yeah. her because it's funny. He, she's like loading up her backpack and he's like, you're going to look so dumb if this is, you know, not if this is over tomorrow. You're going to look so dumb with all these batteries, you know. <laughs> I know. But she doesn't. She's she's the she's such a grounded character. She's such a realist. She, it doesn't matter to her. Yeah, she's, she's like, like this is what we got to do. She's like prepare for the worst and like hope for the best type of person, you know. Um, but then um, you, again, you flip back to present time, and um, they're all loaded up in the truck, and they're out on the open road, and you immediately see how dangerous it is out there. Again, they're starting to you know to get attacked by these shades as they're cruising through. Like one of them looks like it has like deer antlers. One of them looks like, I don't know, this could have been a bear or something before, but it's now the all jaw mutated. On the one in the front. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Woo. cool. And, um, dude, Val's calm as can be. And you know, she's oh. out there 24 seven doing these runs. I'm sure where Emery, he's, he's kind of, you know, from home base and giving her directions over the CB radio. He's freaking out. He's like, hit the high vids, you know, like, yeah, yeah. or hit the hits. You, you know, we, we got all these shades and she's just like, just cruising. No big deal to her, yeah. you know? What are you waiting for? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like without any like emphasis, just nothing. Yeah. And even though you can't see her full, like her whole face, just like the smirk she has, like she's just like, this isn't a big deal to me. Like I've seen this a hundred times, like, just sit down and let me drive pretty much is what she seems, you know? Anyways, um, they, they arrive at this, um, location. It looks like uh, just huge trees filled with like neon signs. Like you would see at an old school bar or something, you know? And it's called dude, the coloring is so good. Yeah. And that's, dude, that's the one blues thing and the greens and the art and the coloring, like a lot of these, like, post-apocalyptic stories are so dark you know and like these scary stories yeah. but this one they, it does a, such an awesome job like adding color that's so cool 
It's Tomu Mori. And if you like, just pay a careful attention, like as you're reading this and his use of light, like the glow from light from, from all the different stuff. And when they show their houses and the, the flashbacks yeah. and stuff like that, <laughs> it's just, it's some of the coolest use of, of coloring for lights yeah. uh, that I've seen in, in a long time. No, for sure. So, so they arrive to this um, port, which she explains is uh, it's called Neon Grove, and it's basically like a charging station for these trucks. All these trucks are big electric trucks. Um, all these ferrymen kind of came together and they created these places as like little pit stops where they can stop and gather supplies, recharge their truck, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So they're they're there. There's tons of light. They're safe, so they're outside the truck. Uh, Emery and the the two passengers are just kind of chilling. And Val just immediately jumps out and she has a job to do. So that's, you know, she's out looking for supplies. And uh, while she's out and about, the old man comes up to her. He kind of starts explaining to her, you know, what, what's kind of going on. He's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you the truth. And, um, you know, you might not believe me. I- I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm on a mission, her and I, to bring back the light. And, yeah, Haley um, Bailey. Yeah. And then right away, Val, she doesn't buy it. She just like, she just doesn't even give him the time of day. She just keeps focusing on whatever she's trying to do here in this scene. And he's like, you know, I'm serious. You know, my brother and I, we invented this machine. Um, it was supposed to find this awesome light, but. Um, but it made a little mistake. Yeah. Something happened. Now, now we want to fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this whole time she's, she's just busy looking like she's gathering supplies and he's, he's holding onto this flower and, you know, talking about the sanctuary and um, she's like, you know what, y- you could um, you could do me a favor and just kind of stand right there and help me out. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, she's like, oh, I'm going to use you as bait. And he's kind of like, what? Yeah. And you come to find out sh- there's these traps set up that are trapping these little shades. And she lets one out and he's standing right there like in a perfect position for the shade to jump out and attack him. And uh, she just stabs this shade right in the top of the head. She she got him dinner is what I'm assuming. <laughs> I feel like her heart rate didn't even, you know, get too high here. She's so calm, cool, and collected the whole time. Oh, yeah. She, um, she like I said, dude, she doesn't skip a, skip a beat. She knows what her mission is. She, she's been out there, you know, 13 plus years, mm-hmm. and th- this is nothing new to her. And um, she immediately, like, calls out. Augustus because she she knows he's lying like he hasn't been yeah. in these sanctuaries he he's been out out here in, in in the real world because that flower he's holding um if you hold it if he held it any other way it was going to make his hand swell up and stink and so she calls him out calls his you know calls his bs and is like dude basically i don't care about your story is i just want to get paid you know mm-hmm Part of me kind of wished he did hold the flower the wrong way, just so I could see the panels of a really swollen, stinky hand. <laughs> oh, dude, it'd be so funny. <laughs> um, so anyway, she she gets dinner, is what I'm assuming, and um, heads back to the truck. And you see Augustus, he like drops the flower in like complete failure. He's like, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that didn't go the way no, I wanted it to. Yeah, not at all. And so um, she gets back. To, they kind of set up camp right now. They're kind of just resting. 
Val is uh, with Emery and she, you see a crazy panel and with Emery's progression oh, here with the shade, she grabs his hand and his whole hand is like starting to turn now. So not only, yeah. you know, is it in his gums, but now it's going to his, to his hands. Like, what do you think? Like, Dude, all I know is that like Emery is way too calm about it, man. Like, if I saw my hand looking like that, I'd be like, dude, what are we doing? Let's go a little faster. Yeah, yeah. No, you are right. Yeah, he's super calm about it, you know? And he even says, he's like, it's been like this for a while. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Yeah. She's go, like, man, no, go. we need to get out of here, you know? So, she's kind of arguing with him, like, you know, you're. we need to get out of here, you know? Let's go. Yeah. And um, just at that time, Bellwether comes over the radio and um she's like hey we've been trying to reach you and uh, we got some news for you and mm. she she tells her hey um blacktop bill's coming after you he he just burnt down all our trucks and um we were finally able to get a hold of you and he's after he's after the fares that you have in the back of your truck any kind of questions you had about blacktop bill maybe or maybe not fighting for the side that may, you know, the good side here is completely washed away. Yeah. Now that he ruined all his, you know, her friend's vehicles and, um, torched that, melted that guy's face. You kind of know blacktop bills, not, not the best guy. Yes. So Val now is pissed. So she, she pulls, she immediately pulls a gun right on Augustus and she, you know, wants to know who's following them. Bailey is like, oh, no, there, there was someone, but they're not following us anymore. You know, she kind of comes to the grandpa's rescue and she's like, mm -hmm. um, I don't think you, you got him off your tail because, you know, he, he killed some of my friends and torched all their vehicles. So who's after you? I want the truth. And just before they could say anything, Blacktop Bill and his crew shows up. One of the coolest double page spreads. Dude, such a cool page. I mean, just the vibe that this whole crew throws. I mean... My goodness. Frightening. Dude, the vehicles all blacked out and they just are kind of like a symbol of Blacktop Bill because Blacktop Bill is literally just a silhouette and all you see is his white creepy teeth and the, all the vehicles, like the two in the background are the two like SUVs, they're all blacked out and then they have like his teeth as their their grill. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out to me. That is such a cool little feature that uh, if you overlook it, you know, easy to overlook. But once you see it, it's like, oh, man, that's so cool. But again, really quick, <clears throat> look at the lights, man, like the glow, like how it spreads from each little headlamp and the blue, the way the blue glows like Tomumori, man, uh, I, want, <laughs> I just want to collect some more of his whatever he's coloring. Yeah, dude, his, the blue light, like on the cars and, um, this little street bike, this other character riding is super cool, dude. Yeah. And I love that mask that the one on the street bike is wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it looks like the dude in the big monster truck, it's like, he's wearing like a, like a bandana with blacktop bills, like teeth on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a crowbar. I love that. That whole design is so fun. Yeah. So it's just super cool. So they just roll up hot to a neon grove and, um, he just, you know, he says, howdy, um, Sundog convoy, you know, it's kind of like he knows them. And, um, he says, Hey, you, can you hand over, um, the old man and the girl, please. They immediately jump in the rig and blacktop bill is trying to tell her like, look, this is only going to take a minute. You can ask me anything you want. And so she's like, you know, what are you doing with them? And he's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and he does tell her too that like, look, I'm not here for you. I just want the, I just want your passengers. Yep. So at first she's she's like about to leave, you know. She's like, I'm out of here. This guy's chasing me. But then Blacktop Bill kind of is like, Hey, I I know what you're going through, um, and brings up uh, Emery. And so he mm-hmm. knows. I don't know how he does, but he knows about Emery that he's he's changing. And so he was like, Look, all, you know, my friends, they uh, they have uh, some coin and they have a huge solar lamp, mm-hmm. and that could save Emery's life. And so Val kind of stops. She's like, all right. You know, all she cares mm-hmm. about, you know, in the first place is, was she wanted money that she was going to use to help Emery. And now that he's obviously ch- starting to change faster, it's spreading to his hands. She starts backing up the truck. As she starts backing up, Augustus, he's in the back. He hits the intercom and uh, he's like, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. He's like, you know, my name is doctor. You, you learn he's a, he's a doctor. He's basically a... uh what does it say here? A theoretical physicist a, mm-hmm. and a theologian. And yeah. And, and a theologian. Yeah. You got to throw that in there. <laughs> I love that little added bit. Yep. And he straight tells her, he's like, you know, we've never been to this sanctuary, but you got to believe me. It's true. What happened? You know, we were trying to find light and we were trying to find heaven, but instead we found this and it's the worst darkness mm-hmm. you've ever seen. And we're, we're here forever and we're stuck. And for some reason, Val is like, what do you think, like, Val being the type of person she is when she heard that? I think she's someone who values truth and honesty above all things. And when she finally hears it, she's like, all right, I trust this guy now. He's giving me he's giving me the straight bull. You know? Yeah, like, like she she's the type of person that she just wants straight to the point, no matter mm-hmm. what type of news it is, bad news, good news. She just wants to hear it. And she's like, you know, that's like the I mean, most honest thing someone has told her. And she's just, and that's how she starts this whole conversation. She's just saying, like, just tell me the truth then. What, like, be honest with me. Because yeah. she knows he's been lying this whole time. Yep. So when he finally comes completely clean and in a way that's shocking, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's just telling her that, like, I mean, there's a way to tell the truth and not be as, like, this is, it's, this is really bad. Yeah. And we're stuck forever. And so, yeah, so Val hears that. And instead of backing up, she stops. She uh, she hits this little button. She says, I've, I've made my choice. And she throws out these uh, canisters. Pretty much they look like little grenades or something. And uh, it's funny because Blacktop Bill, this his crazy character, he loves it. And Oh, I do like it. Yeah, he, he likes her now. And so um, she causes this huge explosion and um, they're out of there. Mm-hmm. But Blacktop Bill is... Never one to be stopped forever, probably. Yeah, I mean it's a huge explosion, but that ends um that issues that ends issue two, man. Yeah, what are you thinking? What are you feeling, man? Is that uh, you still stoked on it? You like the developments here, kind of uh, how it's opened up a little bit, and you get a little bit more of kind of this what's going on with Augustus and and Bailey and all that stuff, dude. I love it because you you get to see like who Val is a lot, you know, that comes out more of just her, how she is totally different from her brother. Mm-hmm. Like her brother is like, you mentioned from issue one, like kind of like head in the clouds, like no big deal. Even when he's about, he's, his condition is getting worse. He's still like, eh, it's no big deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, it's been this way forever. Yeah. And so, um, and then you, I love, you get to see just how crazy blacktop bill is, you know? 
mm-hmm. and then you get a little more truth out of the old man. So yeah, dude, super cool issue. Um, the the art he and the coloring. Uh, he in this did issue. tell her like that uh, the sanctuary is real. Like, yeah, I lied to you, but the place is real. And so I'm curious too. Like, okay, what really is a sanctuary like? What's there? What's going on? I think that's fascinating. What do you feel about about that possibility? Yeah, like you know, he mentions like what they were trying to do was find you know find heaven, but it opened this other door to to the this work worst darkness you've ever seen and so i want to know like what what were they even trying to do in the first place like (laughs) yeah yeah there's a a ton of stuff going on the first two issues are full of just tons of stuff going on i think lots of lots packed in there with lots of lots of narration but really yeah but the way scott Snyder does it's so good yeah, I mean, there's no hiccups in the reading experience whatsoever. No, yeah, it just flows so well. So, yeah, let's get into issue three, dude. Yeah, so with issue two kind of, you know, leaving you hanging on that cliffhanger, a big explosion, and you're left wondering, are they going to get away? But you turn to issue three, and we got a little bit of a flashback here, and it's, uh, you know, Val and Emery watching TV, and it's the – News, uh, news anchor, cast, newscaster. I don't know what. What would you, the news reporter? Yeah, just be a news reporter talking to some doctor. some doctor. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so she's just she's just asking him like, what's going on with this infection? And this is where you get to learn a little bit more about what's going on with these shades. And he just says, you know, this is early on again in the big PM, and so this is what they've learned so far early on. And he just says to her. It's not even an infection. It's a complete metamorphosis, unlike anything he's ever seen. It changes genetic code. And in humans, he says, it's the most um, intense, like the most changes happen in, in a human. And he says, you know, you also get to learn here, he says, they do know that once the eyes start changing, when you see those eyes change over, yeah, you're done. Yeah, like, there's no, no going back at that yep, point. Yep. One of the interesting things that he does mention too is that early scans, when they see those the eyes changing, is that you can see the brain itself is uh, like, especially in the knowledge center, uh, undergoes a big change. And so he, he explains to her that, like, you know, she asks him, like, why do you think that is? And he's just like, well, my guess is, is that, you know, they have a way of communicating that we, we don't understand. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty crazy. And, and re- anything to add there? No. One thing that I thought was the, the, probably the scariest thing he says, he, he, he mentions, he's like, this is just the beginning of whatever dark is changing. Like, we haven't seen the worst yet. Yeah. And, like, right away, like, you could tell, like, in some of these panels, like, it's already pretty bad. And so, if this mm-hmm. is just the beginning, like, you don't want to see what it's going to turn into, you know? Right. And so, then, you know, right as he's about to sign off from his report, he does kind of just give a little warning. And he's just like, so, whatever you hear these shades telling you, don't ever trust them. Yeah. You know? Because uh, they're probably, you know, talking to something <laughs> in their allegiance to the dark. Uh, but right then... Right, you know, right as they're watching this scary news <clears throat> report, there's a rattle on the door. They've got something, something under there, which you find out is their their mom and dad. Yeah, they got them locked down in the, in the basement. They've got them locked down in there, and it seems like you know, mom and dad has started to change a little bit. But again, 
Amory doesn't want to believe that this is, you know, as, as bad as it probably is for his parents. And, you know, he wants to open the door, let him out. Cause he wants to believe that they're not going to change into shades. Yeah. And Val is just yelling at him. Don't do it. Don't open it. But you know, there's this panel, you see the parents down, down the stairs with these red eyes and, you know, they're just, telling Emery and Val, we love you. We love you with all of our hearts. Uh, and this really crazy sort of scribbly text. And she mentions, you know, but what we didn't realize then is that they weren't talking to us. They were already talking to something else. Mm. Just like the news guy was saying. Yeah. And it's so creepy. And you, you know, their eyes are changed. So there's no going back from that. They're too far yeah, yeah. gone in this metamorphosis. You can't even save them. So then you turn the page and we pick up right where we left off. You've got Val on the big rig just speeding away as fast as she possibly can, still trying to outrun Blacktop Bill. And, you know, she's just telling everybody, buckle up because it's going to get bumpy. We're about to, we're about to make a sharp, a sharp, uh, sharp turn here in two. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, Blacktop Bill's right, right on their tails and he's just telling her, he loves this. He loves every mm. second of it because the longer you let him chase you, uh, the more gnarly ways he gets to think up of killing you. Yeah. Like the further this goes, he like gets more gratification out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he likes this kind of stuff. So he, he's actually pumped that it's going down like this. Yeah. But Val's like, she's like, I, okay, I got a little trick up my sleeve. And at the Neon Grove, they've kind of rigged up a lot of these neon signs with some explosives. And so she's going to take Blacktop Bill right through these things and hopefully, like, you know, set it off right as he's there. But, man, Blacktop Bill's an intuitive man. And he just says, he gets his whole crew to stop. But Val hits it and there's a huge explosion. And they kind of have this little brief moment of feeling like, Maybe they got away. Yeah. Just like in, they did it. Just like at the end of issue uh, two. <laughs> yep. But, you know, right away, Blacktop Bill still on the case. Yep. Right on her tail still. He just, that little panel right there with the, the cars just going through the explosion is super cool, man. I know. The art there is so rad. And so, you know, while he's chasing them, his car kind of pops up with this like thing on its on the roof, some sort of gun, and it shoots these harpoons right into the back of the trailer. And now these things, you're not really sure right away, but it turns out Emery will tell you are draining the battery from Val's rig. Yep. And without a battery, you know, these are all electric cars. They're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, they'll just be sitting ducks. And so right as that's all happening, Augustus is a little like, oh, man, this is this isn't going so well. I got to have to take some precautionary measures. And he gives Bailey a book and he tells her this book is written in something that you're not going to understand. It's not going to make sense to you. It's written in code. Give it to my brother. It'll make sense to him. And it is a path. It's going to tell you how to get to the garden he says to eos eos mm-hmm. um so and then he opens the trailer and he feels like he's gonna be able to take on uh blacktop bill with a little pistol <laughs> so uh, funny so, dude so as you see him kind of open open this up i mean obviously he's got some bravery but maybe a little stupidity yeah for sure maybe a lot of stupidity I mean, he's going to try his best, you know, he, I don't know. He, he's trying his best. Like what else can he do? You know? Yeah, that's right. 
And so, you know, may, you know, he's probably just thinking, I gotta, I gotta get a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Know, that get, too. Yeah. Get blacktop bill, get blacktop bill off of, off the tail here. But you know, blacktop bill shoots another harpoon right through Augustus's gut. Got him. And then, yep, got him. And he's pulling him out with the harpoon. And right at that time, he's got Bailey in his sights. Mm-hmm. He's going to take her out, too. She's miraculously saved at that moment by Val uh, diving to get her out of the way of another harpoon. Yep. At that point, she just yells at Emery, like, drop everything we have, every explosive we have, throw it down. Yep. And so they do. And just, you know, you've got just an explosion across the whole street here. Which seems like it does actually get Blacktop Bill to kind of swerve out of the way. Yeah, finally kind of throws him off their tail, man. Because he was going through everything they had earlier. And this, um, on top of now having um, Augustus like strapped to his car. Because that harpoon gun, you know, rolled back up. And um, now Augustus, he's on the the very top, top of his car. Just holding the harpoon in his gut, trying to convince Blacktop Bill that he gave Bailey a fake book and that the book he has is the real one. So there's no reason for him to continue chasing uh, Bailey. Like, just let it go. And this is when you get like this gnarly. I mean, Blacktop Bill, again, you just get this insight to his like complete depravity. He's just like, I'm not I'm not going to go kill kill bailey i'm gonna let you shade out and you're gonna kill bailey yourself how about that <laughs> you just get to see how just sick blacktop bill is as a villain man just i know and so then you turn the page and it seems like you know the crew finally got to to a safe place they call it the the cave of cave of palms or something like yeah, that yeah, right? cave of palms and you see they're finally out of the truck they're in this cave it's all illuminated with like bioluminescent handprints and Val sitting there tending to to Emery and, um, you know, Emery's just trying to tell her like where he was that night that that he got infected, what he was doing, what he was up to. And he was out there trying to make a solar simulator. He really wanted to surprise her. He wanted to surprise the outpost with what he says he calls a green patch. He just wanted to have this little bit of space that he could, you know, bring some some of the old world back and surprise everybody. And but he couldn't do it. The power blew, and you know Val's just like, okay, yes, I, I heard your story, but you need rest. Like, please just get rest. You need to look out for yourself. Now, just worry about everybody else all the time. Yeah. And so finally, it seems like maybe he's getting some rest. And so she walks over to Bailey, and they start having a conversation. And she wants to know all she can, or she wants to learn as much as she can from Bailey about what this sanctuary thing is. And she keeps pressing and pressing and pressing about any detail she can get. And finally, Bailey just says, there's sunlight there. But, you know, something even greater than real sunlight, something called Lux. And (laughs) Val's a little like, oh, my gosh, with the fairy tales. It seems like everyone in her life is just filled with these fairy tales and these false hopes and these dreams. And, you know, she's such a pragmatist. Yeah. It annoys annoys her. Oh, yeah, big time. So at this point, she's going to keep looking for something she can hold on to. And she's just like, let me see that book that uh, Augustus gave you. So she's like. All right, here you go. And so Val opens it and it's just scribbles to her. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is nothing again with all these, this nonsense going on. And Bailey finally tells her like, no, 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 no. You know, grandpa told me this isn't going to make sense to us. But if we give it to his brother, you know, he's going to be able to read it and he's going to be able to use it to, you know, 
get that love for what it was for. Yeah. Yeah. And so right after their conversation, um, you turn the page and it's just a, and you know, four panel kind of Ooh, just a crazy four panel up, too. Yeah. Of Amory laying there, you know, on the last panel, he opens his eyes and man, they're changed. Yep. And he's doing the same thing that his parents were doing. He's saying, I love you with all my heart in that crazy scribbly text. And this is when Val says via narration again, is that he was already speaking to something else too. Dude, the lettering when like they're talking to, to whatever they're talking to, the darkness is just makes it creepy. I love it. It's so cool. And then I definitely didn't expect Emery to open his eyes right here and just show his eyes change. And so, you know, you go back to the beginning of the issue of what that doctor said, like, there's no coming back from that. No. Like, what are they going to do? It it ends in a huge, another awesome cliffhanger because, you know, you got, you got this book, you got this possibility of the sanctuary and with this book, they could, you know, who knows what they can do with it. What, what the, um, secrets that book can unlock or, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And but then now you got, you know, Emery. If if is he too far gone? Like, gosh, mm-hmm. dude, it's so crazy. I know, and all this work, all this effort, and trying to move as fast as they can for him, and you, you just wonder, like, how is Val going to take this? You yeah, know? what's yeah. going to happen? And um, because what's going to happen with the crew? And is you know, Blacktop Bill is still on the tail, but now you've got your brothers changed. Like, man. The cards are stacked against Val and Bailey right now. Yeah, big time. You kind of, you know, you almost feel for Val because everything she does is for Emery, you know, to to keep him mm-hmm. safe. And uh, and now with, with this going on, like, man, what is she going to do? Yeah. And so that's how that issue ends. And I, I can't wait to get into four. So, yeah, now we jump into four and four kind of starts out the same way. The last few issues um, started out with a little bit of a flashback to give you more like insight and information on on the big PM when it initially happened. And um, you get more narrative from from Val talking about the uh, the government set up these like refuge camps for people to go to where <laughs> I, it, it looks weird. It looks like I it'd be ref- because. I know. I laugh because earlier when we were talking, we kept we both kept calling it refugee yeah. <laughs> until we realized we were saying it wrong. Yeah, and but they're they're outfitted with you know tons of light, doctors, soldiers, basically everything to keep them safe. You know, it's uh, it, just to hop in really yeah, quick no. here, and I, I know a lot of times I can beat the same drum over and over, but I just want to call attention. It seems so little. But the little patch of light right around their house here in the top panel mm-hmm. and then how it how it is around their panel and how the lights are out everywhere else. Tomomori, man, I like his use of lighting is just he nailed it. Superb. 100% nailed it. My gosh, I love For it. For sure. And the silhouettes of them in the window, like in the shades. I mean, I just, I don't know. No, I didn't even notice Fantastic the silhouettes work. right there. That is cool. Yeah, he did a, dude, his art is perfect throughout this whole know, run. Man. It's It's great. But, um, yeah, Val, you get her again, her, just her personality. Like she's packing up, you know, she wants, she wants to get out. Pa- parents are still down in the basement and they seem like they're getting worse because now they're little, like, they're not even speaking in English anymore. You know, they're speaking in Scribbles. some other type of language that only these shades can understand. 
Um, Those bubbles are so cool. Yeah, dude. With the the scribbles in there with the black and white. Yeah, so they're they're now, I assume, full shades down in the basement, full mm-hmm. human shades, which are the worst. And um, you just have two young kids stuck in this house. And slowly, each house you know, around them, their lights are going out. And Val is like, hey, we got to go. Like, there's, we're not safe here. We, we got to get out of here. But Emery, being Emery, um, he's like, no, nah, it, it's going to be fine. They're going to come. You know, someone's going to save us. We're, we're going to just be okay, you know. And it even gets to the point where, like, Emery's like, you never want to do anything my way. We always do it your way. It's whatever you say. We're, we're always doing things the, the way you want to do it. But how about we do it this time do it my way? And um, mm-hmm. it kind of ends this flashback right here. And, you know, you, you don't know what choice she made yet. And, you know, jump um, back to, to present time. And we get a shot of uh, Emery right here. And he, he looks like he's in the back of the truck hooked up to that dialysis machine again. What do you think of Emery right here? Oh, his eyes are even worse than when we last saw yep. him. And uh, he's looking a little a little worse for wear. And I'm really concerned for him because, I mean, as we know, the dialysis doesn't seem to be working. And Val knows that, too. Yeah. And so, you know, you got you to gotta find another thing. You're going to have to get a lamp of some kind. But one of the, the funniest things to me is, like, you're looking at him. He does not look good. I mean, he looks bad. He's not moving. But little old Bailey here is going to be like, hey, hey, Val, check it out. <laughs> he looks like he's acting like himself again. I don't know. Val's just like... <laughs> He's not himself. Dude, I don't know where she would get that idea because like his arm looks like it's starting to to change and do a shade. Like he has these long old fingernails. His face is all starting to change. His- oh, I didn't even notice the fingernails, man. You're right. Yeah, his whole hand is already changing. Yep. And so it's so funny that she would even think to say that. I know. But um, anyways, basically Val and um, Bailey now, they're on their way. She's like, she has no other choice. So she's on her way to Tipton now, which if we remember from um, the first issue, Tipton was overran by human shades, which are the worst possible mm-hmm. shades. The whole city or the whole port went under. Um, no one knows if there's any survivors or if it's even, you know, if, if there's anything left of it. So, but she has no choice. She, you know. Yeah. Blacktop Bill is not on her on her tail anymore. Her brother's about to shade completely out and this is her like last resort. So they they roll up on Tipton yeah. and you can see And as you find out early on, like she says here, just I think it's important to mention because I don't know how clear we were earlier. One of the things that she was getting from Hilldale, this deal that she worked out with him, is she was supposed to get a lamp, a solar lamp yeah. from him. And so she realizes, you know, the dialysis isn't working. We're going to need to get this lamp. Yeah, Tipton's, Tipton's blown up and, you know, worked over by some human shades. But maybe we'll get lucky and the lamp will still be there. Yeah. So they arrive and uh, it already doesn't look good. It's looks like it's on fire, dude. Like... <laughs> dude I, if it were me i probably would have turned around like at 10 miles out when i saw that yeah you know just not even smoke don't even up. try you you just kept driving by that port and just be like nah we'll <laughs> yeah. try our luck next you know somewhere else exactly man. but um they get into this this former outpost it's kind of funny right here you get a little almost like comic relief at least for me it was like there's a huge suitcase like on one of the buildings and uh, I guess this port used to be like a place they would send all the luggage from all these different airports. You know, I'm sure people were trying to scavenge and find all kinds of stuff to to help them survive and so there's just mounds of luggage everywhere. And it, I love that there's like even a big 
suitcase on top of one of the buildings it's all lit up like yeah they're not hiding what their town is and and um val's been there before but obviously bailey hasn't so she's like what is this place you know so she kind of explains the whole luggage thing to her and uh, they start walking around and then they're searching for this um solar lamp and dude out of Mm -hmm. nowhere dude this huge shade just blows up through the ground it looks like yeah, because Bailey wants to be a little kid, and she's like, hey, check this out. No one's here. If I yell, it's going to echo. Yeah. Not too smart. Dude, Val just being the – Val just smokes this thing, pulls out her gun, smokes this yeah. thing. You know, Bailey's trying to apologize to her, and she's like, you know, it's all right, but we need to move fast. Like, there's going to be others. <laughs> yeah. Like, no more messing around. Like, this isn't the time to be that having panel- fun. Yeah, that panel close-up of her, you know, right as she's shooting that shade, that determination on her face, man. Yeah. So cool. So um, that shade's gone. They, they they roll into this office, which I'm assuming would be where, where maybe Hill Dill had his office. And, um, dude, mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it? Winner, winner. They find a... Chicken dinner. They find a solar lamp, bro. Intact, no Yeah, I so mean, how lucky is that? Lucky day. Yeah, for sure, dude. And so they grab this lamp and they head back to the truck. Just when, you know, they're all stoked to get this lamp, they open the back of the truck and Emery lunges at him. And he is changed. Yeah, he is changing even worse. Now, both of his arms are all shaded out. Like his eyes are bright red and he's lunging after him to kill him. Dude, those fingernails alone. Yeah, dude. And so. Gnarly. Um, Val pops that solar lamp uh, and it's a dude just a bright light he kind of looks like I don't know if it's injuring him because he kind of like yells but then it kind of mm-hmm. like puts his um whatever he's you know the metamorphosis in, into like remission you know kind of like yeah almost like yeah. healing him and so Val's like yelling at him he's like hey can you hear me like stay away from the dark like hold on I'm, I'm gonna help you you know and he kind of calms down you know, is is almost almost turning back to to regular M. Obviously, he's not a hundred percent back, but you can tell he's not as shaded out as he was just a second ago. Yeah. So obviously, super cool to realize that that light is capable of you know drastic change for somebody who's you know as we thought earlier. What the doctor said is that like once the eye change, there's no hope. But here, apparently, with, like, a really big solar lamp flash, you know, he's able to heal pretty, you know, he's not all the way healed, but he's at least able to look a little bit more like himself again, kind of where he was uh, earlier on. So my question when I read this, and I'd like to hear your take, one of the things that made me nervous was, like, is this solar lamp a one-time use? Like, was this it? Or, like... Do you think she's going to be able to, like, does it have multiple uses or is it kind of one of those, like, you use it and the bulb kind of breaks because it's like a quick flash? I would assume just, like, from my understanding is it has multiple, like, you can use it a few times, but it'll eventually run out of juice. But I I don't think it's like a one and done thing. I I got the idea of it'll be able to be used a few times and then after that i don't know if it would be need to be charged or like like you said maybe the bulb will go bad i'm not a hundred percent sure but i think it would be able to be used a couple times but it's funny you say that because we don't i don't think we ever see it being used again so maybe it was a one time 
Because at this point, I'd be like, okay, man, sit still. I'm going to flash you like 10 more times. Yeah. And maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe you're right. Maybe it was just a one-time use, you know. And it obviously, like, the more powerful the light, the the better it can heal. Because look at how, like, he c- kind of came back from almost looking like a full shade, you know, yeah. compared to the dialysis yeah. that it was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing to point out here, too, that – um is, you know, Val's, you know, telling him, hey, you know, can you hear me? Stay with me. And he's like, I'm trying, but this voice in my head. So that darkness yeah. is already talking to him. But he he's mm-hmm. a fighter. You can see how strong Will he is and like just that fight that Emery has in him. You know, it's really strong. Yeah. Um, but anyways, now we get a flash over to um, back to Bellwether. And she's having this conversation with someone called Mother Hubbard. And it's this dude, he looks like, yeah, I don't know how he picked his name, but um, <laughs> he, he's at this um, transmitting station. It's like a information hub way, looks like way out in the middle of nowhere, dude. There's nothing else there, but this big old tower and his like little trailer. And it looks like he has a brand new truck sitting out there, which is nice. And like, he's got one big light on top, but man, if I'm there alone, like I'm going to spend some time getting some lights. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'd be a little freaked out for sure. He's a little too calm for me. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, so what, um, Bellwether is like, Hey, you know, um, I, I need some information. Can you give me some, give me some information, help me out a little bit. And this guy's like, sure. You know, you've helped me plenty of times. What do you need? And she's like, Hey, I need to know, um, about this guy that calls himself a uh, blacktop bill after the old legend. And so now you can know that, you know, this blacktop bill character, he, he's been around for a while. And immediately yeah. this dude gets freaked out and he's like, signs off the radio. He's like, I'm out of here. And then he comes mm-hmm. back on. He's like, you know, this is a private channel, you know, like, <laughs> but you can't say that name, you know, like just. And so she wants to know, like, how bad is this dude? You know, so that conversation kind of ends. You don't get to see anything else from there yet. And we go back to um, to Val and Bailey. The, that's that's the point in the in the audio book where a voice comes in and says, "For further information, please read the Blacktop Bill special." Yeah, yeah, and for the yeah, for sure. If you um, if you're reading Noctera, pick up the Blacktop Bill special, and um, so awesome to get more backstory of who Bill is, mm-hmm. where he kind of came from, and um, yeah, super good. But um, we have this conversation with um, with Val and, and Bailey here, and basically their their truck from being zapped by um, Bill's harpoon, it's running out of juice. They have barely enough to uh, to make it to the sanctuary, and um, at this point, Bailey's even kind of freaked out. She's like, you know, are, are you even gonna? You're just gonna turn around, aren't you? You know. Mm-hmm. And this is where you kind of see their relationship relationships start to build a little bit with um these two yeah. because normally i think she would bounce just knowing how yep. val is she would say yep we're out of here you know but she's like nah we're we're gonna go you know and um it, we're gonna get there but who we don't know what's gonna happen after that but we have enough juice to make it to the sanctuary and uh, it's yeah. pretty cool too because she throws val uh val throws her the keys and like she's gonna drive the rig for a little bit mm-hmm. so what do you what do you think about that and- relationship yeah, I like it a lot because she also kind of gives Bailey an option too. She's like, look, you know, there's a panic room here, or an escape room or something. You could be safe here. There's a VCR. She's like, look, I got to go. I got to find this out about this sanctuary thing. And so, again, it's like these these little 
these little kids or younger kids Mm -hmm. are really able to find this attachment with Val. And I think it's that when you're a scared kid, you're really drawn to strength. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to say power because that's not the right word, but, but strength and something else, it just, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't find it. And when you're able to like find that, that feeling of comfort and safety, I think just like these people, she's just this character Val is of strength and just something that you can look to for hope and yeah, uh, yeah, no. like a future for yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And so it's just really cool to see that play out. Uh, it's really cool to see her be kind to Bailey and, in this whole scene here where, where she's throwing Bailey the keys. I mean, you get to see a little change in, in Val too. Yeah, I think big time. Uh, some hope that she's throwing around, I think is kind of cool to see. Yeah. She even tells her like, Hey, you got to pick a, um, you got to pick up a, a call sign now that you're driving, you know, and it, but it's gotta be something you hate. Yeah. And then that kind of ends. So funny that that's how they choose their, their yeah, call signs. something you hate. And so that kind of ends that scene with them. And then we immediately switch over to a blacktop bill and um, he's having a conversation with someone. Uh, we don't know who it is, but he calls him boss. So he's working for mm-hmm. someone. And um, this person on the other line is, you know, telling telling Bill, you know, he wants these people dead, you know. And at the same token, as Bill's just hauling butt in his car, we see old uh, Grandpa Augustus. He's strapped to the top, dude, and he's starting to shade mm-hmm. out. And um, yeah. the art and the coloring again, dude, just awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you mentioned this, you might have, and I might have missed it because I was looking at the art on Augustus here, shaded out. But the boss does say, like, you know, one of the most important things is bring that book to me. Yeah. Yep. And so then we, we get back to, um, to Bailey and, um, Val and the rig and their battery is, uh, about to die. Their rig's about to go down. And so, um, good thing is they're almost at the sanctuary or so called sanctuary, right? So the rig stalls out and they're like, all right, we gotta, we gotta, go on foot from here. So they get out and, um, the rig still has enough battery to, to keep the front headlights on. So they're, they're walking in the headlights and they're, they're looking around and they can't see nothing. There's no sanctuary. It's just looks like forest. There's nothing there. Like how depressed do you think they are right now? Uh, not only depressed, but I'd be super scared, man. I'd be, I'd feel completely hopeless. Yeah. Like, okay, like, this is the end of the road. Yeah. This is where I go to die. Yep, pretty much. And so as they're um, out there looking around, um, they, they walk further and they're not in the light anymore. And next thing you know. My favorite, my favorite double page. Yeah, dude. Did you just get this double page spread of them surrounded by all these shades? And you just see their like silhouettes of their bodies, their red glowing eyes, like right above the the uh, brush line and um dude so good val goes into like protector mode like right away you know get behind me she tells bailey (laughs) one thing that is hilarious dude is bailey's choice of weapon (laughs) i mean it fits though right it does little girl yeah like you're not gonna give her one of these automatic weapons uh, and who knows what? But maybe something a little more powerful than a slingshot. Come on, Val. Yeah. And I mean, she's not equipped very well, but she's trying, dude, with this little wooden slingshot. It looks like she just threw it together with some popsicle sticks or <laughs> something, dude. I know, man. Uh, just again to to continue to beat the drum. Look at the lighting, man. Look at the reflection on her outfit. The red glow on mm-hmm. it. And- 
just so cool. And the way the sky's lighting up with all that fluorescent red and how it's shining on the grass blades there. like Yeah, from the gunshot. I mean, I just imagine that this took like a week to color. Oh, yeah. This one panel, man. So good. So Val's blasting through all these shades, um, telling Baby to look out. She's throwing out, you know, these smoke bombs and these flash pops that Emery made. And um, she's doing a pretty good job. But then all of a sudden, yeah. all the shades start to retreat. And um, Bailey's like, wait a second, you know, what's going on? And when when the regular shades start to retreat, that means the human shades have arrived, which are the worst. Yeah, means they're scared of something. And, and it's not you. <laughs> yep. And now you see um, just a ton of these conversation bubbles with this different language that no one can understand. And it's all these human shades just chatting with each other. And um, Val, basically, she thinks that this is the end of the line for them. And she basically tells it, you know, Bailey, hey, close your eyes. Like, this this is it, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, dude, right on the ground, you see a little glimmer of hope. It's almost like a little, like an underground tunnel is being opened up. And this dude comes out and he says, hey, I'm Tiberius, Gus's brother. You're safe now. And he's like, puts his hand out yeah. for them. What can I t- tell you how much it's a little line of blue, but, but let me tell you, I love it. So good, huh? <laughs> Just the way that that, the, you know, the, that little circle door is opening and you get that light there. Like, yep. man, it's a little thing, but I really like it. So she grabs uh, Bailey, they, they grab uh, Emery and they're walking down through these like underground tunnels. And, um, we end this issue with, um, they they see this light shining and they see an actual flower, which Bailey has never seen. They haven't seen light or like a flower like this in, in years. 13 years. That, she said, yeah, yeah. That ends, um, that ends issue four, dude. Like, what do you think? Dude, first of all, nuts. One of my favorite <laughs> issues. Such a good issue. Yeah. But the ending alone, I mean, the hopeful sort of, oh, my gosh, a sanctuary is real. Light is real. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're sure at this point Val's still probably like, I don't what the heck am I seeing? Like, just knowing Val, you know. Yeah. You're just so thankful they're there. You, you know, Amory is about to change, you know, in the next 10 feet. And so yeah, I'm like, okay, next issue, quick. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. What'd you think? Dude, it's one of my favorite issues, I think. Um, the art's incredible. I love the battle when they're surrounded by, like, just regular shades, you know? Like, oh, it's one of my favorite action scenes for sure. And uh, I just like the character development of uh, Val. She's kind of starting to change, you know? She's yeah. – you see that with her and Bailey's relationship. Like, you wouldn't normally see Val, like, handing somebody your keys, especially in the situation they're in now, you know? Like that's brother's about to die. So you, you, I like her character development and, um, just their relationship is growing and uh, super cool, man. What a fun issue. Yeah. So that leads us into issue five and we, you know, we get a little flashback here and it's kind of going to build the story up of, of where sh- her and Emery are at with their parents and you see them in a refuge camp, you know, finally, uh, one of the soldiers comes up to them and, Tells them like, "Hey, we've got your parents, and we're gonna make them healthy again. You're safe." And Amory was just wants to rub rub it in Val's face. See, I told you, like, you know, this is his little moment, his little head in the clouds moment. Like, see, everything was always gonna be okay. 
And she's like, and so Emery's like, tell me, tell me I was right. <laughs> Val's like, oh, I'm never going to tell you you were right. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny because it goes back to the last issue when they were still stuck in the house and you don't know what decision they made because Val wanted to leave, you know, and Emery's like, no, I want to stay. You always do it your way. Let's try it my way. So she, she ends up, you know, doing it Emery's way that one time. Luckily, right when, um, you know, the parents were about to break out, those soldiers, you know, came in and, and kind of saved the day. So Emery's like mm-hmm. on a high horse right now. Like, yeah. see what I mean? You <laughs> He's know, going to ride it as long as yep. he can. That's yep. for sure. <laughs> I would too. Man. Oh, yeah. I would too. So you turn the page and we've got um, Tiberius. You know, Augustus's brother, and he's just he's trying to get him to hurry. And he's like, let's let's get Emery outside. And, you know, Val's like, outside? What the heck are you talking about? We just came from outside. I don't want to go back outside. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take my brother back out there. What do you mean? And so just then Tiberius opens the door and you are greeted to this room with natural light and a little, you know, bed right in right underneath the light. And it's just this colorful green you know just a very beautiful scene i'm sure for them oh yeah uh, big time you know, and what would you what would you be thinking uh if you were val walking into this room right dude, now dude she's got to be in shock cuz the whole time she was like this these places they don't exist you know like don't buy into it and here they are standing in that very location that she just you know never believed in and so yeah. she's got to be in shock but one thing to to mention is as they're dragging emery through through these you know, this sanctuary to go to this um, bed in the light that Emery now has these little, like his conversation, his, his dialogue has changed to, to um, that shade language you can't even understand. And so, you know, Tiberius is trying to get him to rush to the bed, get to get Emery on it. And you could see he's struggling. I mean, he's got his hands to his head and you go to the next page and he's just completely shaded out and he's lunging at Val. He's going to try to take her down. And, you know, before he can do that, some of the guards there at the sanctuary, you know, shoot him down, take him down. And so it looks like both Val and Emery were hit and, Val's just laying there kind of bloody and you're, you're wondering what's going on and you flip the page and it's just two dark pages with some narration. And she's telling you, you know, the tranks knocked her out for a couple days. And when she woke up, Bailey was standing there in front of her without any armor on just normal clothes. And so, you know, she's thinking, okay, like, you know, maybe we're a little safe now if Bailey's like this. And so her first thought is, you know, is Emery okay? And, you know, Bailey just smiles at her and says, come and see. And you turn the page and there's Emery on the bed, on that cradle underneath the Lux, that light. And my goodness, if he doesn't look almost like a normal kid again. Yeah. I mean, his eyes are completely changed back. His face looks completely normal. And so finally, you know, you're a believer. You know, this Lux light really does heal, really can bring back someone pretty far gone but as this nurse is going to tell them this is actually kind of amazing because we haven't seen somebody as far gone as emery come back you know yeah. this good yeah and she just says like he's a fighter he's a real fighter you know and you've been getting little pieces of yep, that but yep, here you kind of sure. really get that nail like just hit like this dude doesn't want to quit like yep. he's, he's hanging on and so she just mentions to val like hey 
you're beat up too. Do you want to get under the, under the Lux? And she's like, no, no, no. Like, this is just for my brother. Get him better. Mm -hmm. How much longer do you think it's going to take? And she's like, maybe about a day. And she's like, but in the meantime, you know, Tiberius wants to talk to you. So why don't, why don't you go talk to him? So she heads off, leaves Emery there in the cradle under the light. And she's walking to, to go talk to Tiberius. And, you know, all of a sudden you're in this huge room with a huge screen, computers everywhere. And, you know, one of the first things you see is that Tiberius and his men or, you know, his crew, these scientists yeah. seem like they're studying Emery and something they call the hepatong. And it looked like they were maybe trying to glean some of his mumblings while he was changed and make sense of them. Yeah, for sure. Like they're just studying everything about him so they can get more information on what this, uh, this darkness is or these shades and for sure. And so Val, you know, she's, she's still a little in shock about the whole thing. So she just, she's not thinking much about this at the time yeah. and she just wants to talk to Di Tiberius. And so, you know, they share a little bit of a, like, you know, thank you so much for letting us in. He's thankful that, you know, she got, Bailey safely to him and that she tried to get his brother there and Bailey just, or, and Val just wants to know like, what is this place? Yeah. What is going on here? How is this possible? And the funniest thing is, is that Tiberius is just like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even know, know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, the only thing I can tell you is it's called a prism. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's just being completely honest. And then he kind of, you get a little bit of backstory about him and his brother, you know, it seems like there was some tension there from a young age. His brother was a genius, got all the uh, the benefits and the the privilege of being that brother. Turns out that Tiberius ended up feeling like he was just the money or the muscle uh, for his brother. And yeah. it seems like maybe he's holding a little bit of a a little bit of a grudge against his brother. Yeah, or it almost seems you know? like his brother and him were like pitted against each other like their whole lives almost. You know? Yeah. But as they're talking and kind of just talking a little bit more about how, how little they really understand of this sanctuary, you know, Val's just wants to say, like, you know, we kind of are thinking about staying here. Yeah. And and Tiberius is like, well, you're going to really want to think about that because we've had other people here who thought the same thing, but then changed their mind. And she's just like, what do you mean? Yeah, why would she's you want to change? Thinking, why would anybody yeah, exactly. change their mind? The lights here. Look what it did for my brother. Look at the safety we've got. Yeah. And he's just like, well, you know, let me show you something. Let me show you this little, little thing we have here. And so you turn the page and behind this glass are these huge human shades. And Val's just, you know, she's in disbelief, right? Oh, yeah. Big time. And they're screaming at her. I mean, I think this this uh, word balloon here is some of the coolest with the the scribbles. Yeah. It's, and here Tiberius says, you know, we call him Homo Nocteris. Uh, this is the apex of the shade sort of metamorphosis is with these humans. Again, we're getting more of that. And he tells her, we've got them here to study. Yep. You yep. know, this is, this is what we're doing. We're trying to figure out about their language and you know anything we can and he's just like some days i think we should just burn them though yeah like you could tell even he's getting a little tired of all the stress that this probably brings into his life you know yeah but then you know you turn the page and val's trying to tell him like you know your brother he gave me a, a journal and tiberius is just like i'm so uninterested in whatever it is that my brother had going on you know he kind of looks at his brother as kind of maybe 
pie in the sky too a little bit. Yeah. But then, you know, she does mention, she's like, you know, this was supposed to take us to this EOS thing, you know, this journal. And so, you know, she's just trying to tell him like, isn't this what we should be working towards? And he's just says to her, he's like, you know, the people my brother worked for this, they were a cabal and they were these evil people who were trying to keep the light for themselves and not give it to anybody else. And anybody who kind of tried to interfere with this would have just been, you know, killed. Yep. Yep. And, uh, he just leaves it with, you know, so please, (laughs) so please take your time and think about whether or not you want to stay here because, you know, you only get what you get. Right. Yeah. This is it. There's nothing, nothing less, nothing more. And, um, take it or leave it kind of thing, you know? And so, you know, on the next page, you kind of see that, you know, some days have passed, I think about three Three days. Yeah. And, and it's just Val and, and Bailey and Val's kind of letting you know via this narration again, that she's been thinking for these three days of, of a possible reason to not stay here. But again, why the heck would she leave? This is what they've been after forever yeah, safe since of since healing for her brother exactly, yeah no reason to leave and then you get this brief little kind of thing before they're interrupted of bailey and val you know in this kind of intimate conversation and bailey's like you know tells her that she thought of a call sign and it's piper but that's all you get before a nurse comes in and says hey val guess what your brother's awake and so you turn the page and there's Emery. He's standing. He still looks a little weak, but there he is. He seems completely, you know, better. And they hug each other and, you know, kind of do what you would do. Or just embrace know, so each other. Yeah. Down. yeah. Yeah. And he just says, like, I feel freaking great. Yeah. Like physically. But mentally, when I was under, you know, I had these, you know, visions yeah. and I was able to make sense of some of their language and I kind of got an idea of what it is that they want and what it is that they're scared of. And what they, what they want is for earth to be annihilated. Yep. But what they're scared of are, is these beings of light or this EOS, which we know is where the book is supposed mm, to take them. Yep. And so that's kind of, I think, what Augustus had planned is like there's there really are these beings of light. This Eos is what we're hopefully learning here is that Emery's picked up from his time communicating with the shades or whatever. But Val doesn't really want to hear it. She just wants him She's to rest. Pissed, yeah. She's like, you know what? You just need rest. She's getting a little frustrated with him. And uh, then you get this, you know, two panels on a page and Val's telling him. Look, don't worry or think about any of that stuff. We're here. Look around. Yeah. This like, is what we've this always is everything wanted. Everything we've ever yeah, wanted. Exactly. And man, Val's mad, but Amory is mm. angry. He's like emotionally and angry. Like That's what I yeah. mean. Yeah. And he's just and he just says, like, look, I'm not interested in just surviving. I want something better. I don't want to stay here. Maybe you can if that's what you want, but you know this mere surviving, the staying in a sanctuary. I can't, I'm not just thinking about myself. You know, yeah. I got to think of this bigger picture. I'm not going to be happy. You know, just me in here when all this bad stuff's happening mm-hmm. there. And that's how kind of um, Emery's like has always been. Like when he was like originally got infected, he was thinking about everybody else. Like he wanted to make a patch of green for for his for sister for the whole outpost, just for everybody to bring some type of happiness some type of normal back to their just crazy life that they're living right now 
Yeah. And Val is just, I mean, I think this really gets under her skin and she just says to straight to his face, is everything we've ever wanted. I'm so tired of all your fantasies. I've been dealing them with, (laughs) I've been dealing with them my whole life. Uh, When is it going to be enough? And this is, you know, Emery's cool answer here. And he's just like, hopefully, you know, never, it's never going to be enough because for Emery, you know, it's not about him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the coolest things about his character. Yeah. Is, you know, his vision is so much bigger and Val's has always been so nuclear, but that's that kind of motherliness of yeah, her, you yeah. know? Um, it's it like almost like tunnel vision, you know? Yeah. And, and Emery's never had to have that because he's had Val. Mm-hmm. And so he's had this time and this ability to keep his head in the clouds. Val hasn't. And, you know, right now she's just being confronted with it. And I think it it's freaking her out. So not only is she mad at him, but this whole idea of trying to care about something bigger is also, I think, yeah, weighing on her. And she just walks away and she throws her foot down. She's like, nah, we're staying. Yeah, we're staying. Like, you know, the end of story. So then he cuts and you see her kind of laying in bed. And, you know, she's probably tossing and turning, just frustrated with the day. And um, Bailey comes up to her now and tries to explain to her why she chose uh, the call sign Piper. And, and what does she say to her? about why she chose Piper. Yeah. So her parents, I guess had a, um, this book of birds and there was a one species called sandpiper and, um, it's a solitary bird and it always, you know, has no friends and always, always just wants to be left alone. And that's what you find out. That's, you know, find out more of her character. Like she doesn't want to be alone and that's why she's getting so attached to Val. She hates Mm -hmm. being alone. And, um, so she, that's, you know, call sign has to be something you hate. Piper for short. And I think this is kind of like a good, a good jumping point for Val to realize like, like again, this nuclear tunnel vision like yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that person who leaves yeah. her. Like we're gonna, we're gonna stay. stay. No it's the safest what. place for them all. Yeah. And she even says she's like one of the things that always frustrated her was that you know people never could never be content with or letting good be good enough. You know. And so as she's walking down, she's kind of thinking about this. But when she she gets she gets to hear this panel, and she's just like Tiberius, what in the? And as you turn the page, dude. It's Tiberius sitting there having a conversation with Blacktop Bill. Mm. And, you know, turns out she now knows Tiberius is the one who has hired Blacktop Bill. And Blacktop Bill is just saying to him, open the doors. Let me do what you hired me to do. Let me kill him. Yep. And that's where the issue ends. Now we know who the boss is. Oh, my God. What a crazy cliffhanger, man. I mean, I'm all psyched up, dude. What? A, yeah, this, this is a huge issue. There's so much stuff going on, but it's so good like yeah. uh, my one question for you and i don't know if it's appropriate at this point or kind of maybe later but hey we're here did you feel like the the confrontation between val and emery maybe felt a little forced i mean they've never really acted this way to each other and just all of a sudden there's kind of like no compassion no slowing things down it's just this real bumping of heads like i just think it was a buildup between the two because like, think about it. They're just out there trying to survive. I don't think they ever had moments where they could just, like, m- you know, express their true feelings to one another is what I got from right. it. Yeah. And so... So bottled up. Yeah. They, you know, they live in such a hectic and chaotic world. They can't just sit down and be like, hey, 
how are you feeling today? You know, like they're just <laughs> trying to survive every day. So I don't think they ever got a chance to really sit down and be, you know, have a deep conversation. And now that these have just came like to this boiling point and they're in a spot that they are safe, you know, they can finally just, it just yeah. came out, you know? Yeah. I think one of the cool things that I did pass over earlier was just, you know, Emery explaining to Val like exactly what happened that night when he was out there. And he's just saying, you know, I was out there and I knew what was going on. Yeah. He's just like, but that bigger picture to him so important. He was just, you know, he was going to go until he could figure it out. Yeah, he was out. determined to to bring some type of normalness and some type of, like, something just to make people happy again and, and you know, what they were yeah. all going through, for sure. So it's kind of cool because, you know, mm-hmm. you've always liked Emery and you've always worried about him. But here you're like. He's changing too. I don't know. Yeah. His character. All of a sudden I'm. I'm like, okay, like I really like Val, but like maybe I'm all on Emery's side. You know what I mean? Dude, like he's such a fighter, man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm so, after this cliffhanger too at the end, like you're just so good. You just can't stop reading this. I know. So we start out issue six starts out with another flashback and uh, it's a brutal flashback, man. They're at this, dude, um, super gorgeous. Yeah. It's, um, Dude, just such a brutal flashback. And it's this scene where they're at this uh, refuge camp and um, it's being taken over by human shades. And so all these humans are just getting just ripped apart, man, by these shades. Uh, Val and Emery, they're like, you know, they're on the ground basically crawling to, to stay low, to not get hit. Dude, when she describes the sound that they make when they, you know, do their killing, like that's that's nuts, man. Like that's crazy. That's a cool... I mean, cool. I just mean such a clever way to talk about this because it's creepy. And it's so funny. Hush. Dude. Hush. And when I read hush. this first, like I started doing that. I was like, hush. Like just to see. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you do that? <laughs> I did. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, so they are just um, shredding through this whole camp, you know, and Val and Emery, they're trying to escape. This scene kind of ends with with a scene that um, just a Val's eyes up close. You know, she's just like they're about to to get killed by this shade. You know, obviously they don't because mm-hmm. you know they're older now. But you're just like, dude, how how do they get out of that? You know. And then we jump back. And- That's always such a cool thing that uh, writers can do. Like when you know everything's going to be okay, but the tension's still there and you still are like, Oh my gosh, like how does she get out? Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. Stuff. So cool. So now we go back to, to present time and you have, um, Val just looking at, um, Tiberius with, with the old black top bill, kind of like on this screen behind him again, dude, look at Val's eyes. You, she's just, Oh, uh, so determined. Yeah. Big time. And so, um, she's kind of over here in this conversation between the two they're talking about this book that they got to get that book because they know that that book possibly leads to, to this light, to this EOS. So the EOS is the term or the, like the name for those beings of light, which you, yeah, you assume they're the, the good beings that could help them. Yeah. And so while that's going on, she's just listening quietly and you get some more dialogue with Bill and Tiberius and you can just see how sick blacktop Bill is. Like he just wants to get in there to do his job. You know, Tiberius is like, what are you going to do? You know, you're sick. You, you're going to let him shade out like my brother, you know, like, he's like, dude, when did you ever care how I did my job? You know, like, just let me do what I do. You do what you do and don't worry about it. 
And so Val, yeah. you know, finally her, hears enough. She picks up this gun that's sitting on the counter and um, she thinks she's got Tiberius. But then, you know, you have two of his goons right behind her immediately and, you know, have guns to, to her head. And, you know, Tiberius is like, ah, mm-hmm. you're not going anywhere, Val. You know, like you're here to stay. And um, now you get all three, you get Val, Emery, and um, Piper. You you can kind of see like Bailey here, like what, because she knows now like what mm-hmm. is going on with um, her grandpa and her grandpa's brother. Like, what do you think Bailey's like? Yeah, well, it's funny because Tiberius is like, hey, look, this doesn't have to come to violence. Like, let's come to some sort of agreement. And Bailey, you know, being the kid, feels like she can get in a jab. And she's like, like you did with Gus, you know? Yeah. She's like, how could you do it to your own brother? And, you know, Tiberius is just like, because he deserved it. And it's just more of that, like, that anger has boiled over from his youth with his brother to just lead to, like, just this complete loveless sort of brotherhood between the two of them and man there's nothing there like he's his brother's just nothing for dude you know yeah it's crazy and now like this is crazy too because like think about the world that they live in you know you you would think you would want to come together as like humanity and you know just humanity versus these shades to try to survive but now you can just see how terrible humans can be you know and yeah. you go back to the last issue, how um, Tiberius is kind of talking bad about his brother and that he wanted to hog, you know, he wanted this light for himself and, you know, everybody else is going to die. But it was actually him. He's the one yeah. that wants to be almost like king pretty much, you know, and keep all the light mm-hmm. for himself. And like, I don't know if he wants to be the ruler or what, but what he was saying last issue is basically was describing himself. And so... Uh, you get a little panel here with Emery kind of more or less calling him out for that. Yeah. Right? You know, he's like, nah, I sold my brother up, you know, like we had issues our whole life and he pretty much got what he deserved is what he's trying to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And you just, it, it's just crazy how you see that just people now, like not only are they have to worry about these human shit or these, all these shades, but now they have to worry about like just terrible people like this and blacktop bill, you know, like it just adds to the craziness of the world. I yep. think. I agree. Um, so, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, Tiberius, he storms off. He's going to go look for this book that Bailey, uh, hid under the cradle. And, um, when they do that, um, being the awesome team that they are, Val, Emery and Bailey, uh, they're sitting there with a couple guards, and um, Emery always has something up his sleeve, dude. He throws out some some flashbangs or some sizzlers, and uh, they mm-hmm. beat up these guards. They take their guns. You know, they're ready to get out of there or try to fight their way out. You don't know how they're going to do it. And as um, Tiberius goes, he gets this book, and Blacktop Bill shows up. And uh, he's like, Crazy. yeah, he's like, you got, you know, you got a good read there. It's, he said, it's our ticket to Eos, Bill. And Bill isn't really worried about that. He's worried about the hepatong for some reason. Yeah, what's going on with Which that? is super interesting, you know? And Tiberius is kind of like, dude, you know, don't worry about that. I want you to go kill these people. And, and if you do that, you know, I'll give you the translation of what they were saying. And so he's like, all right, well, how do you want it? You want it fast or you want it slow? You know, just how sick Bill mm-hmm. is. <laughs> And so Bill's going back. He's going to go and finish the job and he's going to take out 
Emery, Piper, and and, uh, and Val. And right when he walks in, he sees him kind of huddled behind this desk. And um, behind him is that glass wall with all the shades. And you see all these little sizzlers attached to it. These little flash pops, whatever they are that Emery made. They're going to do the unthinkable. Even even so much so unthinkable that you threw Blacktop Bill off. Yeah, this is the you know not even he could imagine doing yeah, something like this. This is the first time you see Bill like what is going on because usually he's stoked for this kind of stuff. You know, like when he's getting bombs yeah. thrown at him, he's like, "Dude, I like you." And now he's kind of you can tell he's maybe a little nervous, you know. And yeah. so they blow up this window that's holding these human shades. And um, Blacktop Bill, the, this next panel with him flying through the air and the shades breaking through the glass, dude, is so cool. I love it. Um, so they get up and now these shades, they're just running loose through the sanctuary, just killing everybody. Um, Val Emery and um, Bailey or Piper now, they're on the run trying to to escape while these shades just rip through everyone. And it just is another like flashback or not a flashback, but like going back to like a callback. Yeah, a call yeah, yeah, exactly. When you see him ripping through the refuge camp, you know, super mm-hmm. cool. I love the juxtaposition here. Like as the shades are going through, just hushing everybody. Hush. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you get that last panel on the page. That's just all green and pink with those flowers, with the alarm blaring. And finally, you know, Tiberius hears the alarm and even he's like, Oh my God, what have you done? Yeah. Now he can, he finally realizes what happened. He's probably freaked just as freaked out too now, you know, because uh, like those shades, they've got to know, like they've been stuck there, like traps. You would think mm-hmm. that they want to go after him first, you know? Yeah. He's the the ringleader of it. That's where you're going. Yeah. And so uh, the three uh, Sundog Convoy, they escape and uh, they're running through the field and they kind of have no plan right now. You know, they're, they're I guess they're going to get... <laughs> The plan is just to run as fast and far as you possibly can. Get away from the scene. Yeah, because, I mean, even though you have light down there, you have human shades down there now. Like, you can't stay down there, yeah. right? So, let's... And Blacktop Bill. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, exactly. And Blacktop Bill. You have all the goons. You have Tiberius. So, they, they get above ground. But above ground was all the, you know, all the other regular shades and even human shades before they got, you know, down into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they get out and they're they're running. They kind of really don't have a plan. And who meets him out there? Tiberius. Uh, he has the book in his hand and, you know, he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's your plan? You know, like, yeah. you guys have nothing. You have no idea what you're yep. doing. I have the book. I, I know what's going on. I know, you know, you guys don't know anything. Are you guys just going to run circles around around the country in, in your rig that has no energy? Like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. And um, they're kind of just staring at him like... Um, you have no idea what's about to happen, Tiberius. And you can see in the background of Tiberius in this last panel on the bottom that there's a something behind him. Yep. And when you turn the page, some gnarly, cr- some gnarly claws there. You get to see exactly what it is, dude. Oh man, so cool, so awesome, so satisfying. It, dude, that's the exact word I was going to use. It's perfect, and I didn't expect it to be this. Did you? Mm-mm. Not a, not even remote. Tell everybody what's what it is. Yeah, so you turn the page, you know, the, all three of them are sitting there staring at Tiberius. He's like, what are you looking at me like that for? And it is just Augustus Shade. Old Grandpa. Uh, old Grandpa. And he uh, successfully, I would say, 
uh, rips Tiberius in half. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, these next few panels are some of the more interesting things here at the end of this issue, man. Yeah, for big me. time, because he's not fully, like, because the shades they had behind the glass are, like, as as full-blown shade as you can get, right? They're, like, the apex, yeah. completely 100% shade now, where he still isn't 100% shaded out here. He would, he's, like, at maybe a little further at stage, like, when Emery was before, you know, mm-hmm. before he got on that cradle, right? Yeah, but still cool to see even his kind of willpower and his strength to push through that because he gets some words. Yeah, which is crazy because at this point, like when we saw with Emery, all he was able to communicate was like that gibberish, but you know, bubble text. Like you mm-hmm. couldn't understand his language. So Bailey reach, is reaching down, grabbing the book, and she looks up and is like, "Grandpa," and you can like you can tell he's trying his hardest to say something. And she's, you know, thanking him. And he's just like, he finally gets out a word, run. And then as they're, so cool. it, dude, it is, man. And as they're running to the, to the semi-truck, he says it again, but this time louder, like with more like just his willpower and his strength, man. He's just like, run. So they book it, man. They get to the semi. It's dead, of course, but luckily they're parked on an incline. So she pops the e-brake and they're just flying down this hill with all these big shades chasing after them now. And I'm assuming as they're like, what do you think? Like, you know, like when you're, when you're driving a, a a manual vehicle and you're, you're on a hill, you can like pop the clutch and and start it, you know, like, do you think that's Mm kind of what's going on here? Because now all of a sudden, like the lights are on on the big rig. Yeah. I don't know. I had the same question too, but then I just thought like, maybe they're hoping they just get enough speed down this huge hill that, you know, these shades stop chasing them. I mean, if they could get those lights back on. Even if the engine doesn't start, maybe it's enough to scare the shades away, yeah, you know? Yeah. But either way, you know, you can see it in their face. They're freaked out. They're not sure this plan's going to work. But Val, you know, she's trying to be optimistic, and she's just saying, we're going to make it work, Yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so as they're barreling down this hill, Val looks up way in front of them, and she sees this, like, ball of light up ahead of them. You get you go to a flashback right after that. A little bit of a flashback of when when Val was a kid, right before she or right after she had her surgery for her cataracts, and how the light came back, and you can just see like the emotion Val's going through right here, finally hitting her, you know. And then you see another flashback right after that of from the beginning of this issue when they're in that refuge camp and it's getting torn apart by the shades. And the person who saved Val and Emery was um, Bellwether. That's where she first yeah, met so Bellwether. Cool. So cool. And Such a good touch. Good add on. Dude, there. it's so cool because Bellwether's like saves her from death right there. And then that ball of light that she just saw is Bellwether again. Yeah. Driving like right at the perfect time to save her. And she's with a couple other big trucks and they're blasting their lights dude right at them yeah i love i love what she says make it morning boys yeah dude so cool they just turn on every light they have such a cool scene man so you know you're just stoked now because now you know okay they've they've made it they're out they have this book um they have safety with these lights you know you, you they have some glimmer of hope now so it ends on a good hopeful note for them. Yeah. But then you turn the page and we get a, a gnarly scene here with BB. Oh my gosh, dude. So yeah, you, you end, like you just said, a hopeful note with him. And you get Blacktop Bill and he's like searching through the rubble of this sanctuary. 
And um, he's looking for the hepatong, he says. He's like, you know, you have all these mm-hmm. people. This dude's like laying on the ground dying. He's looking for help. And he's just like, dude, where's the hepatong at, bro? <laughs> like, yeah. I ain't helping you. And the dude even is like, please help me. And then BB shoots him straight in the head. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume the head, but he shoots yeah. him. And then you see um, Blacktop Bill. He's like standing in front of this like locker. And um, all you see is this creepy silhouette of Blacktop, you know, and he's like, okay, my shades. Let's get to know one another. And he's walking off with this, like, mm-hmm. what do you think? This helmet? Like a commu- yeah, communication. I'm guessing that is what the the Hepa tongue is. Maybe it's this device. Like a communication device. Uh, that they've been working on in the sanctuary there. And, you know, it's some sort of, you know, device he can use to speak with the shades. So, and this is why, you know, you saw earlier when Tiberius was telling him, he's like, sometimes I think you're more interested in the hepatong mm-hmm. than in Eos. And it's like, Oh, he really is like, he's, so he's up to something. He's man. a sick son of a gun, dude. Like blacktop Bill is just such a crazy character. And now imagine him teaming up and being able to communicate with shades. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, dude. And then that, that ends it, man, to be continued. Dude, I, I loved it, but I want to hear straight from you what you thought. Like, give us your rating, man. Give us your overview of your rating. Let us know. Well, first off, I'll just say that this this book has been my favorite read, I think, this year. I, I love it, dude. It's such a fun, just every, everything around it. And I know there's a lot of post-apocalyptic stories out there, but this one just, for me, is is my favorite. And so... Did you like it more than Stray Dogs? I mean, it's different than Stray Dogs, you know? I don't know if you... I, I don't want to... I can't compare the yeah, two, you I know? I was just wondering because you said your favorite for the year, and I was just wondering. I get, I guess like favorite post-apocalyptic, oh. you know? But um, anyways, as far as my rating would go um, for the writing, I'm going to give it a, um, a four and a half. There was just a couple... Like for me... I understand why they have to do all the flashback scenes and I love them, but it's like every single issue started with a flashback scene, you know, which I guess mm-hmm. that would just be like nitpicking it. But, um, and I know they were needed, but I was just like, man, another flashback scene starting out a, a, an issue. But, um, t- I don't know. It, that was super minor. And then dude, the art's incredible. I'm giving it a five. The, the art just blew me away. Like, like you kept mentioning the, the way he does his coloring is was incredible throughout this whole book. And so I'm giving it a nine, yeah. nine and a half. Right on, man. That's a great score. Yeah. What about you, dude? Yeah, man. I loved it. Uh, I love the character development. I thought the art was fantastic. Definitely kept you wanting, you know, you wanted to keep reading every issue. Oh, big know? time. There wasn't a, sl- there wasn't a slow part. There wasn't a part that made you discouraged to keep going or a part that made you worried. Um, yeah, I think I would go ahead and I'd give the writing a, a 4.5. I just love this world. I uh, I think that the, the world building, the character development uh, that is fueled a lot by these, you know, narrative devices that Scott, you know, Scott Snyder used in this uh, and in such a, a good way, like just so fluid, um, everything read so well. And um, I just wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep growing, getting bigger, this world, this story. Uh, I can't wait to get into seven. I thought, you know, even the blacktop bill special was great. And, you know, for the art, I loved it. I thought so much of it was fantastic. Uh, the coloring was superb, really blew me away just over and over. 
I'm going to give it a four and a half, though. I think sometimes, for whatever reason, I mean, if you, like, pause on some of these panels, sometimes characters look a little stiff or in, like, a really weird pose. And that's nitpicky as could be, too. But, uh, yeah, so, you know. Dude. Four and a half. Yeah. Still really good, dude. So total combined, we're at a, um, 18 and a half out of 20 for the comic book layer, man. What a yeah, good book. I mean, I would just, yeah, I would recommend getting this, reading it, especially if you're into this genre. It's not going to let you down. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Dude. Would, you'd recommend oh, yeah. it too, right? Full of action, twists and turns throughout the whole story. Like, I can't wait to see what the next arc's going to hold. Like, what are they going to do with this book? Right, how are they going to try to find this EOS, um, what Blacktop yeah. builds up to. And um, yeah, definitely pick this up if you haven't read it. If you have, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about yeah. Blacktop Bill. He's one of the coolest villains I've seen in a long time. And um, yeah, Definitely. just overall, man, super great book. I'm glad we got to do this one this week. But um, well, uh, as far as next week, dude, what do you got? What are you looking forward to coming out next week? Yeah, man, I got a lot of cool stuff coming uh, coming my way. I know it's already been out for for a little while, but I'm excited. I think I got Stray Dogs Dog Days number two coming mm, in. Yeah, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, how much we loved, you know, volume one of that, or just you know the the main volume. And so to get these kind of more intimate looks into each of the dogs' kind of history and past, uh, it's been a lot of fun just to to be back with with these dogs and have some fun very cool yeah uh, get a little scared and a little creeped out too saga 55's coming i mean just you know stoked to to keep seeing what uh brian kevon and fiona staples are doing there um chicken devil's gonna end i'm excited to see how Mm, that goes down. yeah i did see that coming to an end yeah <clears throat> yeah, of course, Noctera 7, man. I mean, just right after finishing this, I can't wait to keep going. Oh, yeah, and perfect timing. It's like we did perfect yeah, timing. Yeah, dude, so funny. So, and then um, Crossover 11, I've heard we get a little guest surprise by somebody from The Walking Dead. So I'm excited to see how that all goes down. What's what's What Donny Cates has up his sleeve. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Know, he keeps throwing twists and turns around there. Yeah, man. And a righteous search for vengeance always, you know, just continuing that. I think five comes out, out next week. I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that's kind of what's on, on the dock for me, man. What about you? Yeah, no, definitely all those, um, definitely are stuff I'm looking forward to as well. Definitely stray dogs. Um, I, you know, I want to see all the, uh, the like backstories of all the other dogs that were, um, from the original. So that's something cool to look forward to. Um, and then, uh, Nox, Noctera seven, I have that sitting right here. I might read that tonight. Who knows? <laughs> and um, then also the Chip Zdarsky run, uh, Batman the Night, issue two comes out next week. And um, I like the way he ended issue one. And um, dude, just Zdarsky, he's the man. He's the man. We love him around and here. We got to get him on the podcast. Dude, today. how killer would that be? <laughs> That'd be amazing. But yeah, so I, I would definitely want to pick up Batman the Night, uh, issue two next week. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. And speaking of next week, tell everybody we were, uh, what book we got coming up next week. Oh, man, I can't wait to dig into this with you. Uh, we're going to be doing Moon Knight, uh, Midnight Mission, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 6 of the Jed McKay run. Uh, so good, man. Talk about some good art. I can't wait for you to dig into this. Um, 
I can't wait to get into it, man. Looking forward Dude, to it. Dude, me too. Like, I haven't read a ton of Moon Knight stuff, but I'm super stoked to get into this, especially because the um, Disney Plus uh, series is going to be coming out, hopefully, what, next couple months, I think. I can't remember the exact release date. Yeah, it comes date. out uh, March, March 30th. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So, it'll be awesome yeah. to, to read this and then uh, next month, jump right, right into the show. So, super stoked on that. Yeah. It's going to be fun, dude. Hopefully, we can get you a little excited for, for all things Moon Knight, including the TV show. Yeah, dude. Super stoked. <laughs> Yeah, man. So how can people follow us and keep up and know when that Moon Knight episode drops? Yeah. Uh, best thing, uh, subscribe to our show right here. Um, do us a favor. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Sh- you know, Share with a friend if you enjoyed it. We'd really appreciate that. And then um, check us out over on Instagram yep. at uh, The Comic Book Lair. We're always posting stuff, um, what we got coming up. Just all kinds of stuff over there. Cool variant covers we're picking up throughout the week. You guys can see those and just um, just a way to kind of extend the conversation with us. Yeah, where can they follow you over there too? Don't forget to drop that. Yeah, if they want to um, come follow me, I have uh, Instagram as well. It's uh, that comic book dad, and um, I just post a lot of cool books that I'm reading and and just talking about. So um, yeah, come join us and just have some fun with us. That's right. But um, anyways, you guys take it easy and remember, keep reading comics. Cowabunga, nerds! <laughs>